0: Hey, welcome to our 17th edition of, episode even, of Rethinking Trauma and Transition. At Rethinking Trauma and Transition, we challenge the stigma surrounding trauma and healing through our podcast. We aim to empower those who are experiencing these challenges, providing them with the knowledge and language necessary to embark on a transformative journey towards a more fulfilling life.
1: So you came up with you've been doing a bit of reading this week, haven't you?
0: Um yeah, I can just about read, yeah.
1: I know that sounded like it was unusual, it's far from it. Um, but the reason I'm I'm noting it is because that's what kind of sparked some of our conversation that we're about to have, isn't
0: it? Yeah. And it was also that um with a client of mine.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So we're talking about comparisons. Um, so working with a client of mine, and he was saying he is he wasn't his experience of what he went through wasn't as bad as somebody else's.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, my answer to that was, How do you know? My question to him was, How do you know? Are you a mind reader? Have you lived his life?
1: So that led, I take it, to that concept of comparisons and the impact comparisons have on us.
0: Yeah. So, what i read out is about um, like two paragraphs from the book. The doubt of fully healing, harvesting forgiveness out of blame. So, what he says here is the rational mind can be a tremendous obstacle to recovery. When its logic and reason are enlisted in the service of denial, the thinking mind finds innumerable reasons and ways to short circuit the grieving process. Americans are very practiced at convincing themselves that their pain should be dismissed, they routinely trivialize and dismiss their hurts and losses by comparing them to more dramatic misfortunes of others starving children homeless people are routinely invoked as reasons for disavowing painful feelings but what happens is um somebody may have a be involved in a car accident and they they get some injuries and with these injuries they may be sent hospital for a week and then they'll get say a doctor or a family friend or whomever come in and i say oh it could have been worse you could have been a quadriplegic so that is denying somebody's um healing process somebody's the event that somebody went through and gone through and saying oh you could have had it much more worse which denies that person's emotions that denies that person can heal from that experience and that kind of thing
1: what strikes me is that when these phrases are used, the deliverer of that phrase will often think they're being helpful. Yeah. Because when I think about that, what occurs to me is that in discounting our experiences or someone else's, there is other emotions that are attached with that experience, mm-hmm. such as shame and guilt. You know, we're too ashamed to challenge that, or we feel guilty that it that we we are actually feeling these and experiencing these because there's a sense of
0: of I think there's also is survivor's guilt. So I didn't suffer as much as somebody else, so maybe a bit of martyrdom in there. I could, have, I could have had it much no I, I wish it was me and not you taking that they want to take that hit that responsibility off someone else and they want to be in that person's place
1: yeah because survivor is quite often that confusion of why am i here and somebody else isn't mm. and in that comparison i think it is that the underplay that discounting the there's a devaluing that goes on in there yeah in my experience
0: so what Pete Walker, also dressed in the book alley, is that he says, you've got termites in your house, but that's OK, because not eating through it when the neighbours, their house is being packed, eaten down by these termites. So they're, you know, what they're going through, yeah, that's really bad, but not, no, it's OK, I've got, I've got a small amount of termites and they're just doing their little thing, eating down the porch.
1: But that then also means, though, that in that underplay, and that disc count then we put extra barriers into our own healing yeah that's exactly what is. because if we don't acknowledge it and we don't allow it in a way then how do we take the right actions in the next steps to facilitate our healing if we're not even fully acknowledging what it is that we need to heal
0: mm-hmm. i guess the chances are people won't because they're denying their own existence of that hurt, and that harm has happened to them.
1: Well, what also struck me was that in the delivery of those phrases sometimes, and you and I have talked about the trauma Olympics mm-hmm. before, how there's almost that competitive element of, yeah. you know, wait until it, and it can go both ways. So it can go either where you discount your experiences, because it's not bad enough, which is very much about this comparison piece. Or where you, you again, get to that point of almost like in competition with the other person. You, you feel as though there's that kind of like, I've got to let them know how bad this
0: actually was. Yeah.
1: And I think that happens in conversation as well with these things, with that comparison element.
0: Oh, very much so.
1: But I'm wondering how much of that is also about a deflection away from conversations that people feel awkward having. Yeah,
0: because... quite potentially. There was one chap I was working with a while ago now, and he had to believe he wasn't worthy of um, getting therapy. He had served in um, TA at the time, Mm -hmm. and he got his injury, he got post-traumatic stress, I think it was, and suffering from anxiety and things when he was um, on holiday, Mm -hmm. got run over, Mm -hmm. and because he hadn't served that long in the TA as it was then and he got injured out on holiday somewhere in the world he had a belief that he wasn't able to come and get therapy or help because of that experience and I was like don't be ridiculous you've probably done more than most people who've actually served full-time and I think potentially me saying that was useful for him as well
1: I think it's also and I'm going to come back to those conversations again because part and parcel of that avoidance, sometimes, if you look at, if you consider a conversation a bit like a, like a relay when you're playing tennis or a ra- tennis or a rally, you know, is is that that backwards and forwards of the conversational ball across the net, and when we're throwing that emotional curveball from someone we have a choice of whether we bat it back or whether we catch yeah. it, hold on to it and go tell me more. And catching that ball, that emotion and saying tell me more, a lot of people feel very uncomfortable with because they it's almost like how long will I have to hold this for? Where will it yeah. go to and how big will the ball get? And yeah. will I be able to cope with it if it does? Well, a typical British so conversation
0: is how are you? I'm fine. Or oh, I'm okay. Mid, middle to fairing, mm-hmm. fairing to middle. Ain't not too bad. Yeah. Nobody really wants to delve in too mm-hmm. deep as to what's going on in the world with them.
1: Yeah, how often does somebody does does somebody say how are you? But but and yet you know fine well that where you to where you to suddenly turn around and go, Well, actually. My day's been pretty crap, really, and everything's going horribly wrong for me. They would look like there was rabbits in the headlights. So Mm -hmm. we we get very practiced at that avoidance and that deflection and that discounting of our own emotions and those of others. And one gambit of doing that is the comparison. Whether that's an internal one, that we compare ourselves to others and find ourselves... Mm. less deserving than or
0: our belief is we're less deserving than
1: or whether that's externally given to us mm-hmm. in that conversational rally yeah as a deflection why are that people scared of is those a conversations damn good question.
0: Is because nobody wants to hear them nobody's ready for those kind of conversations um mm. British culture especially, is stiff up lip and get on with it as best you can.
1: Do you think there's also an element of barter that goes on? on? So, yeah. Where my thinking's going with that one is that it's almost kind of like, I'm not going to give you that space to explore that with me because I don't trust that you would give me that space back. Or the converse, which is, if I give you that space, will you expect me to be that open with you too? And, 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 and where, am, where am I sitting? Mm-hmm. And in terms that person of how you that will make me
0: feel? want to express to, can they be trusted? And not go and jibber-jabber to Tom, Dick and Harry, as it were. How far is far enough and
1: how far is too far? because i do think that's that's a genuine issue for a lot of us because if we don't practice that if we don't share of our emotions of our experiences there's almost like that blurt effect doesn't there and you finally do and then you suddenly look at somebody's face and think yeah. oh, okay that was too much wasn't it yeah
0: the eyes glaze <laughs> over the and is that person really wanting to be in that conversation Or they, as we've mentioned so many times before as well, is are they listening to respond and not actually listening to listen? Are they ready for that judgment to go, and just go on and on about completely out of context what you're talking about?
1: I read somewhere this week that, and I'm sure it it was an article I was reading somebody was talking about a lesson they had learned with their children where they now apply that throughout the life and when somebody comes to them with an issue or the conversation goes down a route where they're they're now in the sharing space they say to that person hmm. which ears would you like me to use my yeah. listening ears or my fixing my favorite ears?
0: center of that is do you want me to listen or do you want me to help you solve it or do you want a solution for the problem here? Yeah, yeah
1: Mm-hmm. I think that's so powerful because that this takes is on the completely pressure off.
0: Um, tangent: what What we were talking about is part of the conversation I was having with the, that chap was about um, the things that he had done, and is that well, I've not done this, not done, not done that. Again, compare comparison with other people, but I said. Have you really thought and reflected on how far you've come, what you've achieved, what you've gone through, the people you've met, the places you've been, the things you've experienced? There's very, very few people in the world who've done that, who've done what you have done. And just have a little think and reflection on that and go out and celebrate, in, maybe just in your mind and go, hey, I've done a lot of really good stuff out there. I've been to a lot of wonderful places, and met a lot of amazing people.
1: that comes down to the judgments that we place on ourselves isn't it and our own sense of and also the stories we create Mm -hmm. in our heads about other people the assumptions and the things that are inferred that we infer on them the thoughts that we have in that moment about what they're probably thinking when we could become the the world class yeah. mind reader that we all know we are, because obviously our thoughts don't you
0: they can ask you <laughs> No, tell <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: but there is there's an awful lot of dialogue going on in that, and not all the conversations, the one that's going on between you and the other person, the mm-hmm. conversation is going on between you and yourself. And you read about about what you think they are thinking, what they think they are they are making decisions about, making judgments on. And actually, it shouldn't ever come down to a list of achievements. It should come down to this: is just what I'm experiencing. No, what I
0: was on a back with all that stuff that this chap had done is that mm-hmm, not really achieved much or done much with my life. With that you have, because you don't recognize that because you've been in that situation in those places and so if you really stop and think about what you know we we're talking about comparisons some ways comparison there's a dichotomy there is some ways comparisons are really good because you can assess who you're where you are with say maybe work colleague and look at yourself where they're doing better than what you are and ask them how to improve kind of thing but with other situations it ain't so good Now, obviously, things like um, Mm -hmm. post-traumatic stress or anxiety. Is my anxiety worse than my neighbour's anxiety? Mm. Is that a good comparison? Probably not. So it's I was asking him, all those little things and big things you've done and all those people you've met, that's some really good stuff to be proud of.
1: I agree with you. Because I think we often undermine our own achievements. We often don't see our achievements or acknowledge them because we feel awkward about it, because we don't want to appear vain or arrogant. And these are more stories that we're telling ourselves in our head and assumptions we're making about ourselves and other people and how they'll perceive that. But wound in amongst that is often those thinking that other people have done far more than me have mm-hmm. been hurt far worse than me or have things far whatever than me. And I suppose a lot of that, for me, comes back to the phrase that has wound its way through a lot of our episodes, which it's is it's I not about the event, about the it's event about the impact. Is... Because when we're sharing in that moment, we're sharing about the impact. Remind. And that's unique to each individual, hmm. whether that's a broken leg or
0: what they used to do with in the um, police force was you could have say four police officers walking investigating the, um, the crime scene or whatever the incident was, and they'd all come back and all their reports would be exactly the same. It wasn't until um, several years later that lawyers were go, this is impossible. You cannot have four police officers writing exactly the same report as each other. Because those everybody would have a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Somebody might be facing away. Somebody might not have heard something. Somebody might have heard something else. You know, people don't see and cannot be in you know, the same exact physical space as somebody else. So it's all about our viewpoint. What we witnessed at that particular time.
1: So that really underlines, yes, the fact that no. comparisons are pointless.
0: As I said earlier, is say in a work or if you're in a sport, comparisons could be quite good to compare yourself where you are in, with the other person in a healthy kind of way. So you might you can use that other person as competition. So you look at. Or go back to the old um, Sylvester Sloan and Arnold Schwarzenegger films. They were comparing themselves to each mm-hmm. other, going, Oh, he's made a better film than what I have. Oh, no, he's made a better film than what I have. So that then compelled them to make bigger and better films. That enabled that competition. But all that being said, as I mentioned earlier, if somebody's got an injury, if somebody is suffering from something, then comparing yourself to somebody else isn't good. It depends how healthy and where that comparison is. is that...
1: So in some ways, what, what we're talking about is mm-hmm. how we set our goals, what we use as our measures. And I'm wondering... If actually, in terms of, for instance, like a positive goal and performance measurement and that sort of stuff, what we should be measuring ourselves against is ourselves, so that we're constantly striving to improve and get better, rather than having a healthy else.
0: competition and comparing where somebody else where you are to somebody else. That can be useful. That can be quite healthy, but not become so obsessed with it.
1: Mm-hmm that it causes you harm. I'm still not going to taste out playing board games, though, because, you, because if I can't win, I'm not playing. Yeah, I do struggle to lose to small children. It's really bad. <laughs> so those comparisons, Rich, I suppose it's about how much they limit our capacity to heal and how much negativity that we attribute to ourselves with them. So in other words, do we yeah. use them to beat ourselves up How or drive ourselves really? forward. So does that mean then there should be almost, we should have a health check on them that says, what's yeah. this comparison doing for me now? Is it increasing or giving me a negative emotion and feeling in response? Is it making me feel less than? Or is it motivating well, is it me to be more from- than-
0: that compassion is that coming from somebody else saying, oh. "You're lucky you survived that. You're lucky you just had a broken leg." Hmm.
1: I don't like the word "just." It's one of those words I would love to remove from the from the language from the English language Minimizing because I think word, it's it? it's such a yeah uh huh it it instantly minimizes and shrinks something and. It minimizes its strengths, it devalues. And that is just a broken leg. Yeah,
0: you won you did have a like amputated.
1: Rateful. Or whatever mm-hmm.
0: injury it could have been.
1: It stops an expression from that person of what they are experiencing. I'm sure you may have been of what told they're struggling with.
0: Similarly, is you be having Dinner or tea, whatever you call it. And they go, Oh, I don't really like this food. And then your parents would turn around and say, there's starving children in Ethiopia who'd be glad of this meal. Again, it's that unhealthy comparison of forcing somebody to have something and not really want to wanting to eat.
1: But that comes down to what the comparison is delivering for us, isn't it? And I suppose. In a way, that comparison is getting compliance from us through the delivery of guilt and shame. I suppose in a way, for me, that means that this conversation is almost like a health check for people, isn't it? To say, be careful about how you compare
0: and when you compare. You know, as we've mentioned, the word Mm -hmm. just, are you using that to minimise your own experience or that of other people's?
1: And both can be equally so, yeah. damaging don't get me wrong there are times when mm-hmm. using just if, it, if it's a shopping really if it's a
0: sale or something on a shop that can be quite useful
1: mm. uh-huh and but the majority of the time it's not it's not helpful at all so what do I we think want people about, to take away from this conversation right? as i
0: mentioned before is how healthy are you using that comparison and in what way? And are you allowing yourself or others to diminish your own experiences from that of other people's? Because even though somebody else may have gone through a horrendous experience, it doesn't invalidate the experience that you've gone through.
1: And I suppose there's also that element about health checking, when we find ourselves saying what we think is a helpful phrase in the moment and almost that actually is this actually helpful or are we devaluing the other person's experience because is it not better to acknowledge their experience and give them space without that comparison because really what does the comparison serve in that moment
0: so just be careful in a way, where that your unnecessary works are unnecessary in a
1: conversation, mm. and recognise that your termite infection is termite infection is just as bad yeah, or just say, as worthy of attention as anybody else's. <laughs> well, not for termites. Hmm. I think that's rent to kill. Yeah,
0: yeah. But it's more in the US. Well, no, than it not unless like you could UK. put your houses on fire there's a little flame going up the curtain well, or one well, next to us, house is full of flame. It's only a
1: little flame, it only be fine. <laughs> <laughs> but from small bla- flames being build well, big blazes. So is there anything else we want to take away from Pretty
0: today? Good. What have we covered off is how useful so is comparing up, yourself then? to others yeah
1: the devaluing and the discounting Have
0: a reflection and look that back sometimes occurs look at the things that you've achieved that you've been you've been and done it doesn't have to be climbing k2 or traversing a north pole naked with a, you know with a half a sledge or something does it no wonder to edit that
1: I mean, it, does have to be,
0: be, it can be, if you're somebody suffering with depression or anxiety, can be just getting out of bed in the morning. Hmm.
1: And I think that's important to acknowledge because just as each person's experience of an event, each person's response is unique, then that's about not underestimating or assuming we know how much effort it takes for something that we might take granted mind because reading because we right? are not mind that reading. other person. Mind mm. reading. Yeah. So stop mm. mind reading. What do you stop best assuming and stop so so. Yeah. And if there is a comparison, then stop and consider whether or not yeah. that comparison is driving you forward. So if
0: you do enjoy our Shut podcast, you can find us on um iTunes, and please do like, rate, review and all that sort of good stuff.
1: Yeah. And Spotify and Amazon Music. Yeah, indeed. And YouTube. Mm-hmm. And if you want to have a conversation with either Rich or I um, about anything that we have spoken about or you want to work with any one of us, then you can contact us on our our rethinking trauma and transition email or you can contact us separately through our businesses. Rich is at Resilient Defense.
0: Excellent. We and we look forward, forward to continuing these conversations. Mm. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching.
1: Many more. Thank you.